Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. Jesus is speaking to us yet in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5. We're beginning with verse 21. Concerning anger, he has this to tell us. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, You will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Concerning adultery, he has these words. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust in his has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Concerning divorce... It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Concerning oaths, again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, 
or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes or no. No, anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of God for the children of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us have a moment of prayer as we enter God's word for us this day. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through these, your words for us this day, we would continue to grow in your word, in your grace, and in your spirit, that as we see your kingdom in scripture and on earth, that we would live into the promise of salvation and resurrection here today and on into the future. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we have gone about this task, this season after Epiphany, right? This, we've got this general uh, open time between when we celebrated Epiphany back at the end of January and when we will start Lent uh, in a short week and a half. And in this time, we've, we've taken this task of looking at God's kingdom. That is, looking at this embodied nature of community that exists both here and now and also exists as a promised understanding of salvation and resurrection. Right? As Christians, we believe that the word of God, that is Jesus Christ, is revealed through Scripture. And as we read in Scripture, we gain a glimpse of who Jesus Christ is. And in gaining a glimpse of who Jesus Christ is, we then live into the kingdom that Christ promises by knowing and understanding deeper who Christ is. Therefore, we read scripture together, we pray together, we worship together, we come together as a community to live into this thing that we call the kingdom, both as an embodied reality and a promise of who God calls us to be. Right? There's this understanding that through interpretation, through experience, through the history of the church, we learn more about God and thereby learn more about ourselves as the church and as the body of Christ. And so as we glimpse the kingdom of God in the here and now, we see, we see something that offers promise and hope. And yet when we take a hard look at what is present... Sometimes we uncover fracturing and pain. We uncover the distorted image of God that exists within each and every one of us. And for many of us, we try to uncover this nature of what it truly means to be in community together. Right, it's community together following every nature of rules that we think have been passed down to us. Or is community together about being together, about loving together, about striving to be all and everything that God calls us to be? And sometimes we ask ourselves, why can there not be aspects of both within our community? Right at the heart of the kingdom, what I have preached each and every week from the very beginning of this series to now is this nature of righteousness as relationships. Right? What is right in the kingdom of God is the way in which we live, love, 
serve, and journey together. Right? That determines what is right within our nature of community. If we cannot live by the guidelines of who God calls us to be as a body together, then I fear we descend into this understanding of legalism that brings the church to its knees during the time of Jesus Christ. Right? This is where we begin to look into here and why Jesus preaches about the law in this sermon. Right, this has long been thought as, remember, Jesus is, this is Jesus' sermon. This is the one big sermon that we get in all of the Gospels. It's the most cohesive understanding of Jesus' ministry. And therefore, we know, gathering from all the other aspects of Jesus' ministry, that Jesus, in all of these teachings, in all of these concernings, in all of these ways, is teaching about how we, here on earth, actually how those there in Jesus' time embody the kingdom, and therefore leaving this understanding. And so in all of that, Jesus is trying to teach about the kingdom, and yet he cannot get off of this nature of the law. He cannot get off of this nature of how the law is lived and understood through faith. Why? Because as we looked last week, Jesus does not come to get rid of the law, but Jesus comes to fulfill the law. But what if I told you that the nature of law is this nature of love and grace that exists and is embodied in who Christ was for us? Right? This does not sound new to any of us, right? This nature of community that we have, right? If you had made a, a sound cloud, those are those uh, big bundles of words that you often see online that have some words that are bigger and some words that are smaller based on how often they are said. If you made one of those for this entire sermon series, I'm sure the biggest word would probably be community. Though I'm sure that grace would actually also probably be in the mix. I have trouble not using those two words, you know, all the time. So if the kingdom is about community, then why does Jesus keep on bringing up the law? And if this is supposed to be one seamless sermon about God's kingdom, then why does Jesus keep on referring to this nature? As we saw last week, Jesus begins, well, if we back up to last week again, we see that Jesus talks about fulfilling and not abolishing the law. And then attaching this manner of law and prophecy to righteousness. Right? And unfortunately, this is going to be the last bit of the Sermon on the Mount that we look at because next week is Transfiguration Sunday. And I'm going to invite all of y'all to come back and learn what the word transfiguration means. It's a little teaser for you. And so I have the esteemed pleasure this week of wrapping up the next two and a half chapters of the Sermon on the Mount by looking at these 17 verses. But here you go, because I, while, I, while I don't like to take scripture out of context, I do like to place ourselves in the context of where we are. And so there are two scriptures as Jesus is going through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount that I want to highlight real quick as we think about the point that Jesus is helping to get across. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, I think and I hope I put them in your notes today. If I did not, I apologize. Write them Write down these. So Matthew 7, 12, in everything you do to others, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Does that sound familiar to anybody? The golden rule. 
right? And then Jesus, towards the end of this message in 724, goes on to say, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Again, sound familiar to some of us? So then what does this mean as we are looking at the context of what Jesus is preaching here? Well, first of all, we remind ourselves, Jesus is not rewriting law. Right? So many people want to look at this and they want to see Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say, right? This is the theme that we get in these, in this scripture. They want to say that Jesus is rewriting law. Friends, Jesus is not rewriting law. He is expounding upon it. He is going deeper into the intention of the law and the understanding of how the law within itself impacts the nature of how we live and exist together. He does it almost in a way to take a jab at this legalistic nature that has taken over the church, right? He says, well, you said don't murder, right? Well, I say that murder actually starts with anger. Diving deeper, we begin to see the way that each and every one of these is Jesus taking an extra step in understanding the way that we embody community together in creation. Not only is it this list of rules that we have created for ourselves to try and follow, to try and uphold ourselves to the, to the utmost morals in society. But it is the intention and understanding behind our very lives together. Right? And so what is the next steps that Jesus takes, right? He, Jesus gives this imperative to not murder, right? That one's in the Ten Commandments. And it becomes, well, it becomes this imperative to temper one's anger, right? Don't get, don't get angry at your brother and sister. Because, friends, you know what happens when you get angry at your brother and sister? Sometimes those deep, deep and dark thoughts might prevail themselves and say, well, I mean, if they just weren't in the picture anymore, right? Now we suddenly become the Italian mafia. <laughs> then you have the, the imperative against adultery, that becomes an imperative against lust. The one for divorce becoming akin to adultery. The imperative of going back on your oath to become that of making oaths to begin with. And even when we continue, right, because we've only gotten four of these, but I, or you have heard it said, but I say things. There are six of them as we continue off chapter five. You know, Jesus goes on and he takes it a step further and he gives this imperative against retaliation, right? You've heard it said an eye for an eye. But I say, if someone smacks you, turn the other cheek. And then almost to sum all of these natures of law up, right? Jesus says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And friends, I say, you should love your enemies. And then I actually imagine that that's kind of like a pausing point in the sermon, because it's a really long sermon, folks. And that Jesus just drops the mic and then walks away for a minute. And then they sing like Amazing Grace or something like that. And he comes back and he says, whoa, whoa, folks, I'm not done yet. I got some things to say about prayer and about giving alms and about I got more things to say. But you see, this becomes the underlying nature of where Jesus goes when he is talking about this nature of kingdom with one another. Remember last week? Right? Jesus is not talking about the literal letter of the law, but the embodiment of the nature and intention that the law of God that has passed down through the Israelites. Right? I think we can turn back and, and look back into to each and every law that is written in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy and Numbers and all of those. And we can pull from that this intention of who God calls us to be. Right, even if we look at the Ten Commandments, we can see the imperative of where Jesus calls us, right, to love God 
and to love one another. And so while we may see in those Ten Commandments, the commandment, do not murder, Jesus wants us to think about, instead of the final action, what starts that process? What begins that fracturing of community that demeans the life of another human so much that we would be willing to strike them off the face of the earth? That we would be so willing to destroy their person and their soul? Jesus dives deeper into these laws so that we can understand it's not just about murdering, it's not just about adultery, but it is about other things. It is about how we live with one another in community. Jesus is not literally saying, tear your eye out when he talks about lust. Jesus is not literally saying, cut your hand off. But you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, look, if if you have something that is leading you down an unhealthy road, maybe you should consider what is actually happening. Right? If you're having trouble with lust, maybe it's less about what someone else is doing and maybe it's more about what's going on in your own heart and in your own mind. Maybe that's a conversation you have with someone else in the community instead of trying to replace, instead of trying to place rules around how people, are, around how people can exist in creation. Right? All of this comes back to our community together. Whether we're talking about murder, Adultery, divorce, breaking of oaths, striking back someone. Jesus takes the most almost seemingly absurd examples of what it looks like to fracture community. And he says, you know what? The fracturing of community starts when we stop caring about community with one another. When the nature of community with one another breaks down so much that we cannot respect one another, that we cannot trust one another, that we cannot look to one another with the eyes and hearts of Jesus that we have been created to have. Right? If our word cannot be trusted, then why would anybody want to be in relationship with us? If we are so quick to lash back when we feel accosted in our lives, who is going to want to be a part of our community? If we harbor anger and hatred towards those who are in here, why would anybody want to come to this church? If we are so willing to throw away relationships, why does anybody want to be with us? Jesus is trying to get us to think about community. Right now, we'll push back on this till the end of the days. We may think and look that this is about the law, but friends, the law is nothing without an embodiment of community that lives and exists within each and every one of us. What was God doing when he brought the Israelites out of Egypt? When Moses went up to the top of the mountain and when he comes back down with this word of God, God was seeking to create community. God wanted the Israelites to understand what it meant to live and exist in community together. And he wanted to do it in a way that set forth just these two ways to live in community. Love God, that is, that is love this divine being who created you, who brought you out of Egypt. And then love one another as you love yourselves. These verses call us to a manner of intentional living. They call us to think about our own actions to understand ourselves deeper and how we are interacting with community. And so we're, we're called in this way to ask ourselves questions, right? Do I have anger towards someone in my community? 
Do I lust towards someone in my community? Have I fractured relationships with persons whom I love? Does my word have any meaning behind it? Do I lash out out, out in retaliation? Friends, here's the hard one. Do I love my enemy? And when we ask those questions, we have to ask ourselves, what needs to change in my heart? Not what's wrong with me. Not what's wrong with me. But how can I grow in grace and love? In the name of the one who loved me to help to do my part of being this beloved disciple within community who plays this role of intentional living. And again, Jesus does not want to rewrite the law. We, we so badly want to argue and, and think that because we see Jesus saying, you have heard it said, but I say that we think, oh, well, Jesus is rewriting the law. So the law doesn't mean anything anymore. No, Jesus is not rewriting the law. Jesus is trying to get his people to get away from these very specific points of the law and to get them to think why the law exists in the first place. Right? To know we're not the ones to offer judgment. But we are the ones to try and help community grow. We bring to community what we hope the community can be. We bring the presence that hopefully lifts the community up. We bring a presence of hope, of trust, of respect, and of love. That none of that is predicated on how we ourselves are treated. And that's the difficult thing. Right? The love of God, it does not matter who you are. It does not matter where you have been in life. But the love of God is always there. It's always found within us. And it will always be there. And in the same way, we as a community of believers, we love. Beyond any measure of understanding. No matter who they are. No matter what we think they can offer to us, no matter anything, and in our living of the kingdom here on earth, we are guided by these understandings of community together. Jesus is calling us to consider the role that we play, right? Jesus calls us salt and light. Jesus says that we are purposeful and we are visible. And so you have heard it said that the law is the ultimate authority of God. But I say to you that Jesus is the ultimate authority. Right? You have heard it said that you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not divorce, you shall not do any of these things. But I say to you, in the name of our Lord Christ, that we should not think of the world in absolutes. Rather, we should honor community. That we should reveal within us the image of God that we were created in. And in doing so, be salt and light for the kingdom in our everyday lives. By this, all will know that we are God's children. And they themselves may desire to recognize God's grace in their own lives. Amen. Amen.